Hi, and welcome to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast, where we share positive stories and suggestions about finding hope, resources, and connections to help us all get through hard times. I'm Karen Sullivan, a mom, an author, and a stage four cancer patient who's always looking around me for inspiration. I believe in surrounding myself with people and experiences that make me smile. And that's what I'm hoping to do for you today. So grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. I am so excited to introduce you to Derek Vanderwalker, an experienced sales, marketing, and business development exec who has spent over two decades working for world-leading brands. He's led teams at global media and entertainment companies, tech startups, and nonprofit organizations. He's also a 500-hour certified yoga instructor who did his 200-hour training with Allison West in New York and his 300-hour training with Jason Crandall in San Francisco. Derek was introduced to the practice of yoga by a few of his colleagues over 20 years ago. While his first experience honestly didn't hook him, it did become a door into a practice that changed his and so many others' lives. As the creator and host of the Guys Talking Yoga podcast, Derek interviews athletes, experts, military, teachers, and many more about the impact that yoga can make on our lives, specifically the lives of guys. Now today, Derek is going to talk to us about yoga, the benefits and practicality of having a practice at any age and stage in life. Derek, I am so excited for you to be here today. Karen, it's so great to see you again. It's been a long time. I do want to say I want to jump into the conversation on yoga. And I'm laughing as I was doing a little reading on you and you had talked about how your first yoga experience was with Bikram yoga. And for those who don't know Bikram yoga, it's um, long, 90 minutes. It's hot. What is it, 104 degrees? It's like 100. Depending on where you go, it's at least 102. And... You do the same, and this is good for some people and not for other people. You do the same, there's 26 poses and you do them. If you go to a class today, if you go to a class in two years, it's going to be a very similar in terms of the yoga class. It doesn't mean mentally, internally, it's, it's the same class. But um, I joke with people. In fact, I wrote a piece on the Huffington Post years ago when people could write for the Huffington Post about how I had just had a long day at work in Bristol, Connecticut. I lived about an hour away and I rushed home because I knew I needed to work out because I needed to burn calories. And I had heard that the hottest thing when I was to go to Bikram yoga because you could burn 500 calories. So here I was, I probably had like a huge lunch from the vending machine, (laughs) drove all the way home past my house to get to Fairfield Hot Yoga at the time. And because of the nature of the work we did, we were so connected to our phones and overworked. And so I snuck my phone in underneath my yoga mat. Come on. Totally. That's sacrilege. And I, and I know, and this was a, a time we didn't even have Apple watches. So it's not like it was connected. Like I would keep poking on it thinking like, oh, in the middle of class, if I, you know, get an email from one of our senior execs, I'm going to have to go out and I'm going to have to respond to it. Like little did I know that what I was there to do was to burn the calories, was to get the workout. I watched the people in front of me because I wanted my kick or my dancer's pose, like leg, to be a little bit higher, maybe thinking back to my old childhood days of dancing. It wasn't about the breath. It wasn't about a connecting to myself. It wasn't, I didn't understand the art of practice and how I didn't need to look around 
you know, I needed to look within. So I want to ask you to share how you went from somebody who just tried Bikram and evolved into wanting to teach and become an ambassador of the sport, the practice, the meditation. Yeah, that's a great question. So, so, you know, I too loved the the sweat and the stretch of Bikram or, you know, when I first got into it 20 years ago, you know, it just felt so good to sweat out, you know, your, your, your Saturday night indiscretions, uh, on a, on a Monday evening Bikram class. And, uh, it felt really great. And you, you, you realize with, with that, particularly that yoga, but also lots of other, just, just doing yoga in general, you, you don't want to come with a full stomach and you want to make sure you're hydrated. Right. So, so Bikram will teach you that pretty quick. And I did that for a few years. And then in my mid thirties, I, and I was going, by the way, maybe once or twice a month. And um, in my mid thirties, I started to have challenges recovering from Bikram. Literally the next day I would have headaches because I was so dehydrated. And so I, I started to think that uh, drinking Gatorade after, you know, a big jug of Gatorade after yoga, didn't seem to make a lot of sense. I eventually got away from Bikram because I didn't know what other yoga was really out there or available. So I got away from it. Anyhow, fast forward a few years, started to have some back issues, uh, lower back pain, and uh, ended up, because of some nerve issues in my back, I ended up aggravating both my calf muscles and my lower feet from, from impacting a nerve in my back. And uh, not knowing at the time I, uh, that that was happening, I ended up doing a, a hip flexor stretch to take care of my back. But since my calves were so tight and so sore from aggravating that nerve, uh, I wasn't warmed up. My lower back wasn't warmed up. So I ended up doing this stretch to kind of uh, help out my hip and lower back. And what I ended up doing was making things worse because I ended up yanking and aggra aggravating a muscle called the psoas which uh, I didn't know even existed at the time. It took me a few years to figure out what the psoas was and to connect that, uh, to figure out that that's what I'd injured. But long story short, I had screwed up my legs. I had thrown out my back. I had messed up my hip all within a matter of a couple of days. And I was a real hot mess. I was probably in my late 30s, um, living in New York, working at ESPN. And, uh, you know, the best analogy I can give was, my body was like a tangled fishing line sitting in the canoe. And I knew at that moment that that afternoon in the canoe or however you want to put it had totally changed. And I had this real sense of a shift in my, uh, my universe with dealing with these multiple places of pain and dysfunction. And so, you know, I'll, I'll pause it there and say that, uh, yoga at that time was not something that I was thinking about. But yoga did come, come into uh, sort of my path, if you will, or my uh, my strategy at some point down the road when I needed to figure out some way of taking care of my body and unwinding all that, all those injuries and dysfunction. Well, it's interesting because you say that you were doing these stretches, and it made it worse. And I think in some ways that might be a hangup as we get a little older that we know that we should get the physical therapist to give us the prescription or to do it with us or the trainer, but we get really busy and we get in our lives. And I think depending on the age of the age we are in our brain, we'll say, or even physically, 
I'm not sure that myself or even many of our friends are willing to admit like our body's changing in our 30s. Totally. Totally. In our 40s, right? Totally. And and in the it's funny the, the injuries that I had were related to stretching. Uh, which a lot of people associate with what yoga is. And that's true. I was stretching when both those injuries happened. One was, but they were they were injuries that, you know, would have been avoided. I think the nerve line one was probably something that was more unfortunate. But uh, as you get older and as your body changes, if you have a yoga practice, you start to have better judgment on what your limitations are. And not just stretching, but really everything that you do, what are your limitations on what your body can handle in the gym or on the trail, what your limitations are, you know, on skis, what your limitations are as far as commitment to others, you know, throughout the week in your work schedule or your personal lives. And so I think uh, as you, as you hit, like you, your body changes and you got to change a little bit with that, uh, the, that shift in your universe and, and be able to uh, have good judgment on what's your what's your right to what's the bet right decision to make based on what you're you're feeling and and what you know. You know, I want to go. I want to dig a little deeper here because you are a college athlete. You've played lacrosse and you've played hockey your whole life. So one could assume, I think, as an an athlete, that many times you think you know your body. Yeah. So can you talk to us about how? You, whether it's through yoga or other ways, have gotten to know your body in another way. And talking about these limitations, because what's wild, maybe it's the older we get or the more we're reading in wellness, this whole mind-body connection, while it seemed woo-woo years ago, now it makes so much sense. It absolutely does. So so and to kind of go back to my story and kind of answer that question... You know, I got when I was dealing with my multiple injuries and um, and I was overwhelmed by the, the pain and dysfunction, the confusion in my body. I really didn't understand what was going on. You know, I got very dependent and very stuck on a carousel of physical therapists, uh, orthopedic doctors, massage therapists, acupuncturists, you know, mental health therapists, because I got insanely depressed uh, dealing with with the overwhelming kind of uh, frustration and anxiety of, of, of not understanding why your body had totally, uh, totally fallen into this gutter, right? So, so at a certain point, I, I had to figure out, I just knew yoga was something that I had to sort out. And um, I was living in Colorado in 2017, and I, and I reached out to an Iyengar instructor. And Iyengar yoga is a yoga that you know, Iyengar was a man who died maybe about 15 years ago, he was born early part of the 20th century. And he, he started using props, chairs, bolsters, uh, blocks, uh, blankets to support people in poses. And so I started working with an Iyengar instructor on some private lessons in Colorado to help get over the fear and the confusion about uh, what I could do with my body and what particular poses in yoga would help me. So that was the beginning of saying, I need to figure out some sense of agency in my body to really know what I should be doing. Because, you know, the, you know, the doctors, the physical therapists, everyone in that world, they all have the best intentions, but they only usually see like 65% at best of probably what's going on. They don't, they, they can't un fully understand what's happening in your body or in your mind or, you know, uh, you know, uh, and how that's all uh, connected. And so to move the story along a little bit, 
I realized there's something in yoga that's going to help me as an older guy in years to come, because I knew if I didn't figure out a way to take care of this on my own, I would probably be a miserable bastard in my 60s. I'd probably be broke from paying for all these physical therapy and acupuncture folks or whatever. So I had to figure it out. And so I, I signed up for a 200-hour teacher training program with this amazing woman in New York named Allison West, who had cultivated an expertise on working with people with back challenges and and uh, through 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 approaches with yoga. And so scoliosis, spondylolisthesis, which is what I had, uh, herniation, fusions, like all that kind of stuff. She had took took the Iyengar approach and created her own way of supporting people so they could start accessing their body despite their acute or chronic, you know, muscular skeletal challenges. And so uh, I did the 200 hour in New York. Uh, it was at a time in my life that I had some flexibility and um, I didn't think I was going to be a yoga instructor. I just wanted to know when I go to a core power yoga class and there's some instructor who's 25 and I say, I've got spondylolisthesis at L5S1. I got a yanked psoas and my caps, my right caps, you know, recovering from injury. You know, I don't want to have to look to them for answers because they're not going to have the answers. They're not going to know these things, but I did want to know how yoga will help me figure out what I'm feeling, what I should or shouldn't be doing, how much weight to put on this leg or this wrist. And, um, you know, that moved me to continuing to work through the practice after getting certified. And eventually I was like, you know what, I'm going to keep exploring this because when else am I going to have this time in my life to, to, um, you know, I wasn't, I, I, I was, I was single at the time I was working as a consultant in the, uh, then growing cannabis industry. And so I had a little bit of flexibility to, to, to do this stuff. And I was like, I got to do this now. You know, I, I don't want to be at 70 and be like, I wish I had explored this more. So I got a 300 hour teacher training certification with Jason Crandall, who's outstanding. He and his wife, Andrea Ferretti, have a great podcast called Yoga Land, which is for instructors. But I also think it's great for uh, for students to listen to. And to Karen, you know, it's a long way of answering your question, but the mind body connection is absolutely real and it's absolutely critical for people to figure it out. And I'll tell you why is because, you know, stress uh, over time, whether it's an acute event, whether it's just a chronic 20 years of, of, of carrying stress, it builds up into a sense of trauma in the body. And I would say that trauma is like having a dead cell phone signal, you know, meaning that there's things that you hold in your body, you know, you can't quite move your hip that well, or you're reluctant to literally or figuratively open up in a certain way. And I think, uh, what many have, uh, experienced and what many research is showing about how yoga can help you work your own nervous system to learn to let go and work through that trauma. Uh, there's an, there's an, there's an unraveling of some of that tension in the mind body connection. And, uh, ultimately it, it comes down to, um, having a better sense of self and being able to work through what you're feeling in the body and also, you know, what, what your mind is carrying. So that's a little bit of a long answer to kind of bring the story back, but also just say that, you know, yoga can really help you find a, a place where you're more in control and better able to manage stuff. Well, I think for me, it really started with understanding how to breathe. And I laugh when I say that because I've been breathing for 40 
odd, close to 50, but 40 odd right. years, right? So how did I not know how to breathe? I didn't know how to use breathing as a tool. Yep. Even all those earlier Bikram yoga classes, when they tell you to breathe, when they, when I would go to classes though, I looked at it as a workout physically, but when I went back, so then I went back to Bikram. Now here's coming full circle on my story. I went back after the stage four diagnosis. There was a period of four months where we really had no idea if I was going to live, you know, live another four months or if I was going to live four decades or somewhere in between. And so it was a very scary time. And I was in grad school. We put that on hold. And there's that point where you spend your first few months going on first, second, third opinions. And then there's a lull. So during that lull, I went, my kid was in kindergarten. I went to yoga and I went to hot yoga and it took a long, you know, like I said, it, it's a, it took a long time and then I had to shower, but I just walked in. And as a lot of people say, I surrendered. I wouldn't have used those words then. Now I might use those words because I went in and I'm like, just don't even judge, Karen. I know you need to be here. There was something in my head that felt like the cancer would be dripping out of my body with the sweat, so it felt very cathartic. Mm -hmm. But I actually went in and I listened. Instead of trying to perform or try and reach my last personal goal or somebody else's, I really listened. And so it was from there that I learned a little bit differently how to breathe or to focus on the breath. And then I took that out into my personal life. If something was making me feel uncomfortable, I would take a moment and I would breathe in and hold it and breathe out in through my nose, out through my nose or my mouth, whatever it felt like. But it was different than what I did before. And that became, like I said, it was cathartic. And I think it started to teach me tools that they may start during the yoga practice, but you can use them every day of your life. Yeah. Do you have experiences like that? Are there other things with yoga that you think have helped transform the rest of the other parts of your life? Yeah. So, so I just want to hit on the breathing thing. I think, I think you're absolutely spot on. Listen, I think the end of the day, it, it all comes down to the breath. There was a great quote by John Kabat-Zinn a while back. He was like, listen, uh, as long as you're breathing, there's more right with you than wrong with you. He's like, if you're not breathing, there's not much we can help you with. Uh, and so it's really the place to go to, to learn to calm your nervous system. And uh, a sort of quick little tool that people can use, particularly if you have trouble getting to sleep at night or are falling back to sleep. You know, if you, um, if you lengthen your exhale, it learns to kind of, uh, you know, downregulate reg the sympathetic side of your nervous system and, and increase the parasympathetic tone. And conversely, if you want to... Okay, wait, I'm interrupting you right now because yeah. explain the parasympathetic and sympathetic. I know I've heard of it and maybe everybody out there knows it too, but uh, can you define that a little bit? Yeah, so so I'm going to totally throw my best liberal arts education at this one. So so uh, <laughs> so really it comes down to this, uh, we have this nerve called the, the, the vagus nerve and it, it's the 10th cranial nerve. Don't ask me about the other nine. But it's the tenth cranial nerve, and it and it runs down through your the you know your your chest, your through your diaphragm, really date down your spine, and it's and it's it's very tuned to the limbic part of your brain. So your amygdala, which is your fight or flight, uh, you know your hippocampus is where you store your energies, and then your hypothalamus, which is where emotions get processed in relation to those two other things, right? So that's your antenna for like processing everything. 
And uh, when the amygdala gets kind of turned on by stress, whatever it is, the fight or flight kind of reaction, um, your heart rate and your, your sympathetic side of your body starts to activate. And, uh, you know, they're really the, the autonomic nervous system is really both the parasympathetic and the sympathetic, but they work together kind of a, in a yin yang way. So, so when you are stressed out, your, your sympathetic nervous system is, is going to be more activated. Um, and the way you learn to calm, you calm that side can be through meditation or breathing or, you know, any types of modality that helps, you know, you know, calm your mind and therefore, you know, slowing down your heart rate and, um, breathing techniques, uh, in relation to either lengthening your inhale or lengthening your exhale can help you, you modulate a little bit of your nervous system. And so if you wanted to increase energy, you could have a longer inhale, but if you really wanted to kind of calm yourself, you would actually have a longer exhale. And there's other different types of breathing, like box breathing, you know, like a four count, uh, four count in, four count hold. I've heard that in. Yeah. Out. Talk about that box breathing. So it's like a box. It's like, uh, it's like the Navy, Navy SEALs, I guess, learn this, which is four seconds in, four seconds hold, four seconds exhale, four seconds hold, four seconds in, four seconds hold. So it's a box. And there's also like an 11, there's like a, you know, there's like a seven count hold, 11 count release, but the whole thing is really about being aware of your, um, of, of using the breath to sort of calm yourself. And there's other types of breathing in yoga that you can do. And I'll, I'll say this, the more you get in tune with your, your breathing and also how your rib cage should be moving, how your diaphragm should be moving, that will help with back stuff. That will help with back tension because as those ribs move around, where they attach into the back at those vertebral bodies, you, you start to have movement in those joints and that movement can help move blood flow and make connections in those back muscles, those tiny back muscles that are probably the ones that are really dogging you. So, so you could spend a lot of time on breath. And what I want to point out is that like there's, there's, there's much to be explored in being aware of your breath and utilizing your breath in any moment on the tarmac, sitting in traffic in I-95 between, you know, you know, Greenwich and New Haven on any given day at, at any given moment. Um, but the other thing that comes out of doing or having a yoga practice is having a sense of feel in your body, a sense of awareness in your body. And so if you're doing like, you know, uh, you know, uh, warrior two, or you're moving into like uh, a down dog to a plank, you're moving around, you have a sense of kind of how you feel that day. And you know that um, because of a shoulder injury or just because of the way you're feeling, you're more careful and slower about how you move in and out of that stuff. And obviously I'm speaking as a guy who's middle-aged, but you have this awareness to know what you can or can't do. And if you're in the weight room, that kind of awareness in your body can help you. Like how much weight do you really want to go for? What can you handle? You know, like without going full tilt. And I really think yoga is all about not getting attached to what you could achieve or accomplish. It's really about falling in love with the process and kind of being aware of your limitations and playing on that edge in a healthy way. Well, and as you say that, I'm thinking absolutely true in our physical sense. And... In our life sense, I can't 
begin to tell you how many times I think people have said, enjoy the process, enjoy the process. And I never really got it because I was always excited about the end game, whether it was back in the days when I was working in family shows and sports where you couldn't wait till the season started or you couldn't wait till uh, that show hit the stage, the concert that you loved. Right, right. And, or the project, we were on so many task forces at ESPN where you couldn't wait till the big meeting or the big whatever it was. And there is something to be said about enjoying or respecting or getting through whatever that process is. And I was always so not in the present. So I think this all comes together again, mind-body connection here with being able to respect and live in the present is enjoying the process. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, one of the things that I'm I'm working on is uh, trying to uh, handle resistant and resistance and limitations at other aspects of my life and relationships, where it's just another uh, another uh, sort of a metaphor for playing in a certain posture. Like you know, you there are certain poses that people can do easily, you know, even as beginners, you're like, oh, this is, this is great. And then there's another pose that like, this is really hard. Like, you know, and so to work on that pose, that's more challenging, you have to be aware of your limitations and not try to, uh, um, you know, fight it, but also not try to move too fast because er, with an expectation that you want to attain the pose. And so I think about, you know, resistance and limitations at work and, and, and like I said, relationships, I, th- I think you, you want to find some comfort in that discomfort and say, this is, this is really about the process. And, uh, it's not always easy to, you know, find that resolution day to day, but that's the practice. That's the way of really, you know, again, falling in love with the process and those little moments of micro suffering is just another, uh, challenge for you to test and explore. And I think that should be considered, and this is easier said than done. And I'm no, I'm not perfect at it. But it should be approached as a gift to uh, another gift or moment to experience life. And um, and so that's what I love about some of this stuff. Now, this is not the, what you get out of the first day of yoga class if you've never done yoga. But this is some of the stuff that you get into. Yoga is a door into other things. You know, it's a and it's a great flywheel for other great habits, too, once you start getting into yoga. But you got to have something to kind of come back to and practice. And so I. I try to get on my yoga mat at least once a day. And even if it's just total silence, you know, just for five minutes, just breathing and checking in. And as you were saying, kind of like, I think you didn't say the word, but you were referring to it, yielding, kind of yielding to the floor, yielding to the fact that you're, you know, working with whatever realities you are and just kind of breathe in and just uh, take a moment you know, don't have the cell phone near you. Like just, just zone out for five minutes. If that's, that's all you got. I can tell you, I really experienced so many benefits as I started to embrace yoga and took it in a different way. And I had mentioned that earlier. The other area I wasn't used to having was silence. I love, you know, I love to talk on the phone. I love to have conversations. So every car ride I'd get into wasn't this place. Some people love their commute because they just zen in the quiet. I didn't. I picked up the phone and I called an old friend or a family member. Yoga was probably the first place where it was just silent for a really long time or not silent. There was a a teacher that was 
talking us and cueing us through the various poses, but where I was more silent and I didn't realize how many benefits I can get from that. I mean, talk about creativity. I experienced that there were times that the yoga instructor, she said, let it go. And I laughed because at that time, anybody who is a mom of, you know, young age children like I was knew you didn't say, let it go. You sang it, let it go, let it go. And all of a sudden my mind got in this creative mode And one of my favorite pieces that I wrote was about how in yoga, I channeled my inner Disney princess and it was really about, or how how this, the show, let it go. I'm going down a total rabbit hole here, but it started out with yoga and she said something and my creative juices just started flowing. And that opened me up to not just saying, oh, go to yoga. I need to, I'm in a, a writer's block, but more so in life to give myself that space, whether it's on a yoga mat at home or even sitting at my desk, lighting a candle, just journaling to get things out to give me that space of quiet yeah. that has helped me in various areas of my life. Yeah. I think finding space is another theme that's come up in my conversations with, with many. There's, there's a literal finding some space in your hip joint. So your torn labrum doesn't <laughs> hurt as much, right? There's finding space in your ribs and in your diaphragm, kind of finding space to, to you know, just to, to, to breathe and to move. But there's also a, a need to find a bit of mental space in this world. I mean, I think what's so crazy, like, you know, we're the same age. We had the pleasure of growing up when there was just literally three or four broadcast channels. You know, people went outside to play and entertain themselves with kids, uh, even adults, you know, like people got outside. People didn't have this connected experience. And I think one of the things that I've, learned along the way is, you know, for good or for bad, what makes the human species so uh, unique is our ability to totally change our environment for our needs. I mean, sure, birds will grab twigs to make their nest and that kind of thing. But like, literally, like we are, we could change, change everything to suit our needs. Uh, and uh, that's a big reason why as a species, we, we sort of, you know, quote unquote, succeeded. But at the same time, um, you know, it's it, it might be our demise in some ways. Uh, probably some, some are probably saying it already is. So the point I'm making is that that prefrontal cortex, that part of the of the of of our species that really you know is so intelligent, so capable. I think it's just totally overwhelmed with the amount of information that's constantly come in, and I'm not just talking about you know, the media and the news, whatever your political leanings are, and just the overwhelming narrative that keeps coming out. But also like, hey, it's fun to look at Instagram. It's fun to pull up a a podcast. It's fun to listen to Spotify. It's fun to call a friend. And I think that is, that's those choices, you know, that judgment of realizing that you, you really need to put that stuff away and have a moment to let your brain, that prefrontal cortex, just stop processing all the information because it's exhausted. Like, I think we're all pretty exhausted. And, um, you know, for these young teenagers, they're probably just, it's not just like what they're looking at. It's probably the constant looking at is what's exhausting them. And for, and they're, for their growing brain, uh, it's, it's, it's overwhelming. So I think we all need to find some space and some silence in our lives and our day. And I, and I don't mean to make it sound woo woo, but like for guys roll out that yoga mat and make it your 
you know, seven foot by three foot man cave for 10 minutes, just lie there, relax. Like, you know, like, uh, you know, just, just try to drop, drop in to what you're feeling good or bad in your body and just know that, you know? So, so I think disconnecting is just, is something we got to get to. And I think yoga is one of those places people can go. You and I could talk about this all day long. I mean, we already are, and it's just the beginning. We could spend several hours. And so I think there are benefits for people of all ages, right? Of all genders to focus on having some sort of yoga practice. You have, and while I, I think you would agree with that, you really have honed in on, listen, the podcast is Guys Talking Yoga Podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about that and why did you decide to really focus on that niche? Yeah, well, I'll try to be a little quick on the story, but I it was in 2019, I was I had gone to a book talk. This guy, Eddie Stern, had written this great book in 2019 called uh, One Simple Thing, you know, how yoga can change your life. And, it, it, and I don't mean that in like a totally self-help. I mean, like the book was like the shrunken white of like, you know, like understanding yoga and uh, very accessible, very, you know, very a lot of practical stuff in the back to do. So Eddie Stern was a guy that I uh, was aware of and knew of, you know, he's not a household name, perhaps, you know, across the U.S., but he's a household name, at least people who are in the yoga community and aware of this stuff. And so I went and bought, I bought his book. I read it. I loved it. I went to his book signing to, to hear him talk. And it was, you know, I was thinking it was going to be in this large amphitheater, you know, at NYU or something. And it was like on the second floor of this total hippie Eastern arts bookstore, probably somewhere near Union Square. And, you know, there's probably like 35 people sitting in some folding chairs and Eddie's giving his talk. And I was thinking like, my God, I thought I'd be, I thought he'd fill out the palladium. I, I, I was expecting like more. And that's not a critique on Eddie Stern. The, it's really about like, you know, uh, why aren't there more people here? Why aren't there more guys here? And as I looked around, I didn't see a lot of guys uh, who looked like me, who looked like guys from Connecticut who played hockey and lacrosse and, you know, have a few Brooks Brothers shirts in the, in the closet and some Patagonia and that stuff. So, you know, so that was sort of an epiphany. It's funny, Eddie Stern was talking about, because, you know, he's probably in his mid-50s now, early mid-50s. He was saying he remembers growing up in New York and going to a prep school, a day school, somewhere outside the city. I can't remember the name of it. But, you know, in the 80s, he had an aversion to all of, like, the deadhead lacrosse players and, and football players. And he was sort of like, you know, those guys are a bunch of bunch of assholes. I don't, I, I don't like those guys. And here I am sitting there, I'm like, I'm a deadhead lacrosse player who was, you know, was probably, you know, the other side of the cafeteria for Eddie Stern. And I'm thinking more guys in my world, more guys that I grew up with, more guys that I know should be getting into this stuff. And so the idea for the podcast was a little bit in early 20 was how do you help get guys to consider yoga? You, you just, I mean, as every woman knows, you really can't tell a guy to go do something. You can't, you got to floss more or you got to eat more Brussels sprouts or you got to do more yoga. They're not going to listen to you. But if they see other guys doing it, other guys talking about it, other guys espousing the benefits, particularly guys that they look up to or guys that they think are cool or guys who they think are regular guys, they're going to start paying attention. And so I created this podcast, Guys Talking Yoga. It's a 30-minute interview format, interviewing a guy who's got a yoga practice, how he got into it, why he got into it, who brought him there, like what made him stay there, what's he's got, what has he gotten out of it. And um, 
because I think all these guys, a lot of guys struggle from the same things. They're just not guys are just not good at reaching out for help. First of all, they're not probably not good at being aware of what's <laughs> what's ailing them, but they're not good at reaching out for help. And I think yoga is a very healthy thing for guys, particularly at middle age, to get into to avoid falling into other uh, you know, gutters, drinking, drugs, you know, whatever you know, having an affair, you know, just, you know, loss of career, whatever. And I think yoga is a great place to send them to. So the idea is to try to get more guys into yoga by sharing the stories. And it's been, it's been awesome. I've met some really, really great guys. Well, I love it. I, I think the first thing is I'm thinking of, okay, what would you tell all the wives that are listening right now or all the sisters that have brothers that are aging with us? Number one, I'd say, listen to the podcast. As I've gone through looking at who you've interviewed, it's really impressive and impressive in a, in a not like it's, oh, wow, so far, such a far reach. Uh, but, you know, impressive in that you interview a lot of people that are in the military, that they've adapted a lot of these as every day, every week practices, you've talked to a lot of athletes, um, you know, or former athletes, and you talk to everyday people as well that have um, really started to embrace, you know, making it more of a regular practice in their lives. So, uh, you know, obviously I want people to go to the podcast. Are there any other tips you could say that we could say to our brothers and our husbands in terms of, you know, consider trying this? Yeah. So I, I would say that um, the first thing is, is that if you get into yoga now as a guy in your 40s and 50s, uh, you're going to be very happy that you did when you're in your 70s and 80s because you will have better balance. You will better have better awareness in your body. You're probably going to be carrying around less, you know, you know, uh, subconscious pain and frustration. Uh, you're going to be in a much better place. And I think it's uh, at that point of your life where things really start to decline fast, particularly for men, that you're going to be glad that you did this. So that's, that's the first thing. The second thing I'll say is go buy your own yoga mat. Uh, Jade Yoga makes a very good, I think, yoga mat called the Harmony Yoga Mat. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good yoga mat. It's not a cheap one, but it's not the most expensive one. I think it's a good mat to start with because it's, it's easy enough to take the studio classes and it's easy enough to roll out at home. And guys, you know, to take care of the yoga mat, like it was your best putter or driver, you know, in playing lacrosse in college, we always took care of our best game stick. You know, we were, you know, practically Q-tip that thing. It was such taken care of. You got to treat your yoga mat in the same way, which is keep it clean, you know, roll it up, put it in a nice place. Uh, don't wear shoes on it. Don't let the dog walk on it. Take care of that yoga mat and then go find a local yoga studio and support them. Go to a there and say, listen, I've never done yoga or I did it 20 years ago. Who's an instructor that I should work with? Maybe get a private or two so you can work with that instructor to talk a little bit about your injuries, which I'm sure you got. And, uh, and then start taking some classes. There's a lot of great online resources, but I think there's nothing like being in a yoga class surrounded by others. Check your ego at the door. You know, people are going to be doing probably what looks like fancier you know, postures or poses. That's their stuff. That's their journey. They got their own challenges. So if you're a little awkward getting up and down out of down dog or up dog or, you know, triangle pose, that's just where you're at and stay with it because the benefits are going to start to come over time. And I will say that just like many things in life, people aren't watching us as closely as we think they are. 
most people are probably looking within or looking, you know, maybe around just to figure out what the pose is. And so when I started yep. to take that mentality, just in terms of, of going to a class when I was so new, it did make me feel better. So Derek, this has been wonderful. I'm so excited that you came on, that we got a chance to reconnect, that you got to share your wisdom, because I I know that we could spend another few hours and there's always great nuggets of good advice that you throw out there in many different avenues, whether it was yoga, whether it was leadership. I've, I've always been a big fan of yours, but every episode we play, or we used to get really deep into talking about gratitude, And I didn't want to cut it from the podcast because I think it's such a useful tool for all of us, Uh, whether you're listening right now in your car, whether you're listening, um, walking to work or lying in your bed, take a moment with us to think about what you're grateful for and why today. It's such a simple thing. And if you do it regularly, it becomes a positive habit. And as I often say, Being mindful in the moment and thinking about what I'm grateful for may not solve all my big earthly problems, but it does help me kind of reframe the energy and feel good. And that has been really helpful in my healing journey. So Derek, let me ask you, what are you grateful for and why in the last 24 hours? Yeah, well, so, so, uh, a couple of things. First of all, very, I'm very grateful for my fiance who took me to NYU yesterday for a, for a medical procedure, a minor procedure. But, you know, uh, it's great. I'm grateful for having her in my life. I think it's grateful. Ha- it's great having people when you when you go to those doctor's appointments, whether they're big, crazy ones or whether they're small ones. I think it's always great having just somebody there with you to uh, to just be there. So I'm grateful for for for, for Julia joining me yesterday and taking me to NYU. So the other thing I'm grateful for is for you, Karen, quite frankly, I, I, you and I connected in 2020, uh, when you were just starting to roll out this podcast and I, I was still ideating, figuring this stuff out and our very good friend, Annie connected us who I'm also very grateful for. And, um, you know, you had a few tips you threw my way and you were, you were very generous with, I think, whatever information you had, because you too were kind of just sorting it out. And, um, so I, and, and I also have been impressed and, uh, admire what you've done in sharing your story and the impact that you've tried to make on others. And, uh, so, so I'm grateful for you as well. and grateful for this time today. Oh, thank you, Derek. You're like making me have tears in my eyes. And I am, I'm, again, it's really amazing the people you meet through, your adventures in life. And I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for Annie as you bring her up. And I I feel like we've had a lot of, through the years, we've really had a lot of strategic business conversations, but also like bigger than life ones. And and this is one of them. And I'm glad that I was able to be there for you because, hey, as as I, um, it took took a sabbatical and I'm back, you know, in, in the flow of podcasting. And it, there's always things to learn with this technology. And, and so it comes a little full, full circle as we were talking about like, oh, what are the devices you use and things? So you've been helpful to me in that way too. So, uh, and, and to the listeners, thanks for being here today with us. I hope that you've learned a little bit, um, enjoyed it and, you know, keep in touch. Uh, let, let either of us know where, um, you know, where you're at with this journey, because for us getting on and having these conversations is about 
helping you, helping us all find a little bit of joy during whatever journey that you're going through in life. So thanks again for being here and bye for now, everyone. One more thing. I would be so grateful if you'd take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. You leaving a review helps us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm sending you lots of happiness and great health.